You're listening to episode 255 of the Ruby on Rails podcast, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. On December 28th, the call for papers open for RailsConf 2019. This year's conference will be from April 30th to May 2nd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Quoting from the CFP, we want a mix of beginner, intermediate, and advanced level material. Overall, we are looking for talks of interest to Rails developers, and we take a pretty broad view of what that means. If it's interesting to you, chances are we'd love to see it. Joining me on the podcast today is Marty Hot, one of the directors of Ruby Central. Welcome to the show, Marty. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Excellent. Well, Marty, can you please uh, kick it off by telling us your developer origin story? Um, sure. Sure. I have a fairly uh, long and non-traditional developer origin story. Uh, it, I guess it starts with me as a kid wanting to play video games back in the late 70s, early 80s, and getting into technology and finding that I liked computers quite a bit. But for whatever reason, I did not think that that was a viable career. I guess I thought computer science and all that was that was uh, too challenging and required too much training for me to actually succeed at. And so I did a number of other things, one being in the Army and two being a musician, a professional musician, for a number of years before I finally sort of ended up on the technology track and uh, it turned out that um, when I was a musician I also trained as an audio engineer and so I was doing a lot in studios and that was really fun and I enjoyed sort of the logical nature of of working in a studio and also during that time I um, was helping out at the music school that I had got my training from. Turned out I knew more about computers than anyone else there, so I started doing networking stuff and helping them with anything to do with their um, with their computer systems. And this was in the early 90s, and the internet uh, came available to the public, and I started getting into HTML, and then landed my first programming job in 97. And I had no formal training at all at that point. I was self-taught from there on. That's excellent. Now, how did you get involved in the Ruby and Rails community? Uh, sure. So this would have been 2005. I had just moved to Colorado from Kansas, and I um, wanted to have a little more sort of control over my destiny in um uh, sort of how jobs were. It was not a good market at the time, and so I started networking a lot. And um, I remember going to a uh, No Fluff Just Stuff conference event in Denver, and I met Dave Thomas and um, some others, and I uh, saw a talk on Rails and on Ruby, and I was quite impressed with with uh, how it was to write in those languages compared to the Java that I was writing at the time. And uh, I also uh, started to meet local Rubyists. There weren't a lot of things happening with the Ruby community at that point. Uh, Chad Fowler happened to have just moved to Colorado, so um, I got to become friends with Chad. And Ava Howard and Jeremy Heingardner, who were longtime Rubyists already in the area, and that um, my interest in networking and also my sort of newfound interest in Ruby led me to create the Boulder Ruby user group in um, early 2006 in January. And, and that pretty much, at that point, it was, it was off to the races and it was a very, very exciting time. And uh, I, I really thoroughly loved it. That's excellent. So um, can you tell us the origins of Ruby Central and how you got involved? 
Yeah, so uh, I didn't get involved officially with Ruby Central until, until 2012. Uh, Chad Feller was one of the directors when I met him in 2005, and I started going to Ruby Central events. Uh, but at that point, they um, at least they hadn't approached me to help out. I did, um, from my organizing of Boulder Ruby, get involved with Mountain West in 2007, which was the first regional Ruby conference in March of 2007. And so I helped co-organize that uh, with Mike Moore, Pat Eiler, and uh, did that for three years. I, I did probably the least amount of the work of the three, but uh, certainly I was involved. And I then started uh, my own conference in Boulder in 2010. Uh, which was Mountain Rock, Rocky Mountain Ruby. And uh, it was towards the end of that in 2012 when uh, the original directors of Ruby Central were basically done. They were ready to do something else. And so they started to re retire, resign, and found others in the community to take over their spots. And so um, Evan Phoenix and Ben Schofield had already taken two of the three spots. And so when David Black was the final one to to resign from the original directors, uh, they asked me if I would be willing to help out, and I, I said yes. So that's that's how it came to be. That's excellent. Okay, well let's um, let's talk about RailsConf itself, one of the conferences that Ruby Central puts together. So um, give us a peek behind the scenes. How much work goes into putting together something like RailsConf? It's it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I will not lie. It is is probably what you expect, and probably more. Uh, first of all, we have uh, two full-time uh, employees at Ruby Central. That is their job to put on uh, the conferences. And I would say that at any point in time, 80% of their efforts are going towards the, the current upcoming conference. But there's always stuff going on uh, further in advance. So, for example, about 24 months out, we start talking about the, the next conference and, and site selection and figuring out where that conference is going to be, whether that's RubyConf or RailsConf, and uh, there's site visits that go in, and uh, then I would say about nine months out, we start to, uh, most of our attention, of course, is on the current conference, but we start to then spend a little bit more time on the upcoming conference. So, for example, in September and October, we started talking about a few things for RailsConf, but it really was until November when the team switches gears and starts to spend most of its time on that. Uh, the uh, the team is uh, has it down though it's a well-oiled machine in terms of a lot of the logistics uh, but the one thing that does sort of change every time is the program aspect uh, because the team you know uh, Abby and Heather Heather and Shirley and Eric who who basically all take part of the um, the actual organizing of the physical event the logistics uh, communication sponsorships all that sort of thing uh, there they've got their part down but the program piece which is what their directors are primarily um, responsible for which is the content you love how it's presented who's involved that's all something that we own pretty much entirely and uh, one of the pieces of that is that we form a program committee uh, of, of peers from the community uh, there's usually at least six of them and uh, they work with the directors to uh, put on the conference to to define the 
the CFP, the call for proposals, and and what uh, what uh, we're looking for, and uh, and then they they drive a lot of that. They they do a lot of the most of the reviewing, um, and then one of us, one of the directors, we rotate through uh, is the program chair. Uh, this particular time, it's Evan Phoenix, who's the program chair for this RailsConf, and uh, I was program chair for RubyConf um, in LA. I just came off that, and so Evan will will primarily lead the program committee um, through all the the steps of the of the program creation uh, up to you know the actual conference when people are doing intros and, and watch, looking over their tracks and, and seeing how it's all going. So let's talk about the RailsConf CFP. Each year, um, you guys do a wonderful job of choosing tracks, and this year really has some great ones. So I'd love to talk about perhaps your top three favorite ones. We can count them down. So what what it, name a, a couple of the tracks that you're excited to see put together? Sure, I, I'm actually excited about almost all of them. Um, and uh, the thing I'll kind of mention real quick about these tracks is that when we formed the program committee, we don't really know what those tracks are going to be and we want the uh, committee members to sort of champion a particular track and and sometimes these tracks are very similar they might their names might change but essentially they're kind of the same track as we've had before but sometimes they're completely different and we just never know what we're going to get and so that's that's pretty exciting at least for us and um, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll call it a few uh, uh, that I'll, I'll mention that sort of caught my eye this time. Uh, certainly, uh, I'm I'm more on the sort of uh, non-technical side and community side of things. That's sort of where a lot of my passions lie. And so the crafting community track and the self-care track, um, I'm very pleased to see those there. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what gets submitted for those. Uh, another track that uh, that I, I'm a big fan of is sort of like the offbeat, weird, unusual type uh, track that sort of like uh, this is sort of a thing that we have in the Ruby community where there's a lot of whimsy and uh, you know unusual uses for Ruby and so there's a weird, wild, wonderful track that um, I'm very, very curious to see what gets submitted to that and uh, and seeing how that goes. Uh, I'm also a big fan of sort of the, the mentoring uh, leveling up a piece of, of the programmer journey and so we have a fundamentals and a leveling up track that essentially fit into that space so those are so I guess a few that I would highlight. So as someone who was in the unusual rails application track last year as a speaker I definitely agree with you on the weird and wonderful track for sure um, but it, it does prove that there really is something for everyone because the tracks that I'm most excited about are the medium data track uh, so that's talking about people that have, you know, in between a Greenfield app and a enterprise app. And then I'm also really excited about the For the Long Haul track because we all have a few Rails applications that have been running in production for several years. And I think there could be some really cool talks that come out of that track. Definitely. I think it's what's, what's interesting and one of the pieces that I love about putting together these programs year after year is that... Um, I'm personally in a very different space than many of the attendees, but I still think about how it was when I was at that part in my programmer journey or whatnot, and what I feel would be really interesting. And this is also why we like the program committee because we actually have committee members that are that are at that place in their career, uh, because you know, like there's something for everyone, or at least we we shoot for that. You know, we want to have this diverse program that you know because we have so many tracks at once there's so many rooms there's so much content that you know someone can find something 
you know, in each block that they're going to be excited about, or at least hopefully they're excited about. And, and of course, one of the problems with that is that there'll probably be a lot of things you want to see and you really can't see it all. Uh, but luckily we do record the session so that, you know, when you can't decide, at least you know that you can watch the video of the one that you, you skipped. I completely agree. It's always an exciting day whenever the videos get published as well, because you can go through all the ones that you hear on Twitter and whatnot were really good watches. So I definitely queue those up for sure. So for listeners who are considering on submitting their talk ideas, do you have any advice to offer? Um, yeah. So I think the first thing that I would say when, when you're deciding whether or not to submit uh, something, uh, I mean, first of all, everyone has something to say, something to offer. You know, we've had plenty of first-time speakers who are very early in their journey that can offer a point of view about where they are or things they're working through that really speaks to a lot of the attendees. So don't feel that you need to be um, some uh, veteran uh, programmer or have spoken before because your experience is valid and there's probably lots of other people out there that would would benefit from hearing sort of what you've experienced in your journey. So I think that, that that's the one thing is that we really like to see everyone uh, from all types of experience levels and um, backgrounds to submit. Uh, it is a blind process, so we have no idea who's submitting. So it, you, you know, there's no like, oh, these are my friends, they're going to get their talks in. I have no idea, and the committee has no idea. Um, and so that's the first piece I would say. The, the second piece is that you should think about sort of what you're trying to accomplish with your talk. You know, who's your audience? Who are you trying to reach? You know, what's the purpose of your talk? Why would they come to it? Where are they going to get out of it? You should think about all of these things because that'll help you craft your message, you know, and get really focused on sort of whatever you want to cover and give them something, whether you're inspiring them, whether you're educating them, whether you're just simply entertaining them, or maybe all three, you can, you can essentially get clear about that even while you're writing your, your proposal. And them, you, you never really know what um, the committee is going to like and what's going to draw them to uh, in, in your talk or in your proposal. And so, and also just be yourself too, like, you know, uh, talks that have more personality, that uh, proposals that have more personality and are more authentic seem to do better. But I mean, the reality is there's going to be what 500 talks submitted for you know what 90-ish spots or 70 spots, depending on how you count them. That's that's a lot of talks that need to be filtered through. So it is hard. It, certainly, if you if you have like three or four ideas that you're really interested in, submit them all. Um, you don't get penalized for submitting multiple talks. Um, and yeah, I think that early is better. Uh, first of all, you can get some feedback uh, from the committee. They, they don't always have time to give feedback, personal feedback on all the, on the talks, but at least they have an opportunity to ask you questions and get clarification on sort of uh, maybe some details or purpose of your talk that may be um, clear for them and so that that's they, they might have some questions so if you wait to the last minute then uh, you might get less of that because there you know there's always this avalanche of talks that come in the final day and so the committee is pretty overwhelmed at that point so you get a little more uh, attention if you submit earlier in the process Okay, that's awesome. Those are all really good tips. Thank you for sharing, Marty. 
as someone who was lucky enough to attend and speak at RailsConf, it is definitely one of my favorite conferences. Can you give us the quick pitch as to why our listeners should attend? Yeah, why should you attend? Uh, yeah, I so certainly you can watch the talks later on from video, but there's something about being present in um, you know during a talk at the conference in the hallway. One of my favorite aspects of the conferences is the hallway track where you're able to talk to people in between sessions or go out to lunch or go out to dinner with your fellow attendees and your peers and uh, it's really sort of connecting with with your peers that is special that you can't really do anywhere else and you have this large concentration of all these rubius at different parts in their journey uh, really interested in, in talking and exploring rails and, and being a developer and that's a fantastic place to talk to folks. Um, I've had so many meaningful conversations over the years uh, that I've made great friends from that. So I think that's that's one of the the top reasons why you should attend. The other thing is that um, I don't know. I've seen I've heard this from others, and it's been true for myself. Where I just am inspired and I get motivated after attending a conference that if if I've lost maybe some interest that 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 gets rekindled after you know spending three or four days you know in that space for me I I really enjoy the keynotes it seems very clear that a lot of thought goes into those keynotes and that they're very well reviewed and I, I love how coordinated everything is at RailsConf it all just goes so smoothly so kudos to the Ruby Central mm, team you. on that yeah. I'm also a big fan of the introduction of workshops into the conference. I really like the hands-on coding experience. I'd like to be able to walk away with something that I worked on. And so that's something that can be hard to replicate at home. And I just really enjoy that in-conference experience. Yeah, what's interesting is that we're going to explore, be exploring more of a sort of continuing education model. Because um, some of the feedback that we get is, you know, maybe they, they feel like some of that content wasn't quite as useful. And there's a lot of businesses now that are sending their their employees with the idea this is sort of like how you keep up to date on everything in the conference and in Rails and Ruby and all that. And I think that that's, um, and that's valid. So we're, we're the workshop certainly uh, kind of fall into that space, but we're, we're thinking more about what what would that look like? So if you were to attend the conference, would there even be more actionable things that, you know, you could level up, uh, you know, with you get to the next level of your ability to write Ruby on Rails applications? And I, so I, I think that that is something that um, we're exploring. We'll see how that pans out for this, this conference, but um, we, we want to make that sort of like this is the place where you can get training almost really and, and kind of uh, get to the next level. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Marty. We are going to link up all the links that we mentioned during the podcast to make sure that listeners, that you get those CFPs in. And a friendly reminder, you have until January 25th.